Welcome to the Call by God podcast with Adney Godet and myself, Nixon Sylvain. This show is about dialogues of biblical characters and testimonies of Christians who submitted to the will of God. Each week, we bring on one guest so that they can share their story of how they were called by God. I hope this show inspires you. Enjoy. Hello and welcome world to the Call by God podcast. I'm yours truly, Brother Nick, and I'm here with Sister Adney Godin. Sister Godin, how are you doing on this blessed day? Brother Nick, I am in a wonderful place. And I say that not because everything is going right, but because God is so good. Um, Sometimes you have to tackle challenging situations in order to heal and get a sense of peace. And um, I'm on that journey right now. It just feels wonderful. It feels so good to release past hurts, traumas, and pains and mm. allow, and just give it to God. Amen. So that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm in this place of true peace and understanding that there are some people that I love that I just need to let go and release them because right now they're not good for me. So God has given me such peace. How are you doing? You want to hear the, you want to hear the truth? <laughs> well, no, I'll, 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 I'm going to tell you the truth. <laughs> So I'm, I'm, I'm blessed, Adney. I'm blessed. Um, I'm always blessed. Like, you know, I always tell people and even I tell myself, no matter how bad the day is going or how good, you know, I'm, I feel blessed because God is in my life. Um, but in, in terms of my flesh, <laughs> I'm sore. I'm sore. So, um, I'm working out again. I, I began my workout regimen and, and I'm trying to get in shape for your sister in Christ, my wife. Sister Trinique, so if you hear this episode, hun, I love you. I'm just trying to get in shape, trying to take care of myself. So uh, this today was day one um, when I went hard, I went hard today. So uh, my body is a little sore, but but it's all right. But I'm I'm high in the in the spirit in the Holy Spirit, so I'm I'm good, Adney. So I'm thankful. But mm. yeah, but I, I'm excited. I'm excited about today's episode because yes, we do have a special guest. You know, every guest that come onto this platform is a special guest. And um, I'm just happy to uh, engage in this conversation with our wonderful sister. But before we do that, um, I want to thank our Lord and our Savior for giving us this opportunity again to 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 just talk to you guys, <laughs> to talk to you guys and to encourage you guys, to help you guys identify your purpose and why you was called by God. So Adney also, we want Adney to prepare a scripture because Adney always have a word for today. So, Sister Godin, what's the word for today? Today we are coming from Proverbs chapter number 12, verse 1, in the Passion Translation. And it reads like this. To learn the truth, you must long to be teachable, or you can despise correction and remain ignorant. And I love this little box. It says, there are times when even the wise need correction, but Mm -hmm. but they will appreciate its value. Um, I believe sometimes we get to an age and we feel like mm, nobody can't tell me nothing. But I am grateful and thankful for those of us who understand that this journey is a learning process. Yes. We're never too old to learn. And it makes it more beautiful when we're learning from God, our Heavenly Father. So if you're a person who believes that nobody can't teach you anything, because that's not even proper English, 
If you are that person that believes that there is no one on this time side of life that can teach you something, I'm going to let you know right now, you need to really examine yourself because you can always learn. I heard people say you can never teach old dogs new tricks. And I think that's the biggest lie I ever told. Mm. All right, baby. No, that that was good. That was good. I, I think you summed it summed it up, Adney. Um, there's a proverb proverb writer, same proverb, same writer. Um, he wrote that uh, open rebuke is better than secret love. And I like how you said that even those that with wisdom, they will uh, appreciate even the, the correction. And even you know when you love somebody, you got to tell them the truth. By not telling them the truth is like it's like saying that you really don't love them. You know, that's why I like in the proverb that I just quoted was Proverbs 27 verse 5 when it says, um, open rebuke is better than secret love. Don't say you love me, but yet you're not telling me the truth. And like you said, Adney, it's the it's the, the the men and women that have wisdom that that would appreciate a correction. Because look, I as a married man, and I, when I say eyes, I, I mean I as a married man. And sometimes my wife has to tell me about the errors of my way and I got to receive it with love. And I say, you know, honey, yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. I shouldn't have said that. Um, I shouldn't have done that. You're right. And I receive it and I always strive to do better. So that was a good passage that you chose. But let's just hurry up. We don't want to even want to tiptoe to this episode, this, this discussion that we're about to have with our dear sister. She's not a stranger to our show. She's a powerful sister, educator, a podcaster. Yeah, we got another podcaster on. So welcome. we want to welcome to the show uh, Sister Jasmine Reed, Sister Reed, how you doing on this blessed day? I'm doing well. How you guys doing? Wonderful. Just, just wonderful. Yes. Well, as you, I'm, I'm good. I'm always good. <laughs> I'm good on my bad days, and I'm good on, on my my good days. So I'm, I'm good. I'm blessed. But Sister Jasmine, we're so happy to have you on, uh, on a part. We're gonna call it part two. Cause we had you on part one. So if you, if listeners, if you guys haven't listened to part one, well, it wasn't called part one when we recorded, but it was episode 93. It was called the pursuit of holiness. Go back and listen to that episode because what we're about to disclose and, and discuss in this uh, episode, it'll help you to appreciate. It's like a continuation because her episode was so powerful um, we just couldn't resist the urge of bringing her back. So she's back. So Sister Jasmine, are you ready? Are you ready? I mean, I'm excited. I don't know. It's just me, Adney. <laughs> I'm excited too. You're excited? I'm ready. You're ready? Okay. All yeah, right. I'm all right. Ready. So, so we're going to have Adney, because I know when we, um, um, Sister Jasmine, when you and I was on episode 93, it was just, just the two of us just having a discussion mm-hmm. about how God called you. From darkness and brought you into the light. Of course, you share some some of the things that you went through uh, along the way. But Sister Adney was not with us. But not this time. Sister Adney is with us. So I'm going to give Sister Adney the opportunity to kind of like ask you some questions about uh, your call and your journey uh, to even to glory and even part of your testimony as well. Amen. Hey, Sister Jasmine. You you did a podcast and I sent it to Brother Nick and I said, Brother Nick, it's time for us to bring her back on. Um, and the topic you were talking about was the child molestation that um, you've endured um, when you were growing up. And before I start uh, asking you any questions, I want to give some 
statistics because there are people who will be listening to this podcast that may not understand or may have someone in their family who is going through this and they don't even recognize or know. The first statistic is every 60 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted. But I would say it's not only American. Africans, Haitians, Jamaicans, women, and men are sexually assaulted every 60 seconds. On average, there are 463,634 victims ages 12 or older of rape and sexual assault each year in the United States. 15% are ages 12 to 17, 54% are 18 to the age of 34, 28% are 35 to 64, and 3% are 65 plus. The second thing I want to talk about is the grooming process. Um, a lot of people don't understand what grooming is, so let me go ahead and share it, and then I'll start asking this uh, Jasmine, Sister Jasmine, some questions. The grooming process is this. You have a sexual abuser who befriends, who, in, who gains the trust of the person that they're planning on abusing. And they do this by giving you gifts. They do this by talking nice to you. They do this just by literally befriending you. And then gradually they start touching ears, you know, showing pictures there. And you're not even understanding that this person is preparing to go for the next phase and the next level. So, Miss Jasmine, when um, I first heard your podcast and you shared with us how, um, I believe it was your aunt's uh, husband, who began the the process of grooming you and your other cousins. And then um, he went in for, and I hate call, saying it like this, but he went in for the, the, the long haul and seeing how he could go. How did that first experience for you go? Like what, were, what was going through your mind? I was really confused. Um, I want to clarify though, it wasn't my aunt's, um, husband. It was actually my cousin's husband. It would, if my cousin Amanda, it was her aunt because me and her are second cousins, but it was my first cousin, um, husband who did it. And, um, the first encounter, I was really confused because it was like my first time ever, like, um, being engaged in anything sexual. It wasn't like, it wasn't intercourse. Um, when it, when he tried to do that, I fought him off, but the first time it wasn't that it was like touching on my breast or trying to kiss me. Um, but the very first time though, honestly, before it got to that, I remember I was in the basement taking the shower and me and my cousin was down there and he came down there and it was like laughing about something. He took the towel out of the bathroom and I was like freaking out because I'm like, okay, where's my towel? And I was forced to come out. When I came out, he was standing there. He just thought it was so funny. And I was so angry and so agitated. I'm just like, what is wrong with him? And of course, my cousin, I'm laughing. I think it was a prank. But in my mind, I'm not taking it as a prank. I'm like, he's weird. Um, but then I kind of like, you know, brushed it off. You know, I'm 13. So I'm not like making a big deal about it. But I was hurt because y'all played a prank on me. That's how I looked at it. But then when you begin to like touch on me and stuff, I felt dirty and I felt weird. And then you begin to have these conversations about how we can't say anything and 
I don't know, just like it was so many emotions, so many things going through my mind. Like I really didn't know how to like deal with it. So I suppressed it and tried to pretend like it didn't happen. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Thank you for making it midway through this episode. We want to take a moment to sincerely thank each and every one of you who have been supporting our show. Your encouragement and positive feedback mean the world to us. We want to continue to bring you inspiring and thought-provoking content each week, and that's where we need your help. We kindly ask you to support our podcast by clicking on the link provided in the description below. Your support will enable us to grow, reach a wider audience, and continue to produce the quality content you enjoy. We truly appreciate your support and value your contribution to the Call by God podcast. Together, let's inspire and uplift others in their faith journey. Thank you once again for your continued support, and we look forward to bringing you more enlightening episodes in the future. God bless. I I remember the first time that I was go fun. Um, I was 11 years old. My aunt went to Haiti, and the person that felt on me was some family friend. Like they grew up in Haiti together. And he came home and still to this day, I'm telling you, like still to this day, I still smell the, the when I think about that night, I, I still smell the, the beer on his breath. And he came into the apartment. He walked to the bed. I was sleeping in the living room and his hands just automatically just went to start touching and feeling on my breast. And I was 11 years old. I already had started developing breasts. And I remember saying to him, if you don't move your hand, I am going to scream and wake your wife up. And I went back to sleep and I'm like, okay, this did not happen. But a couple of years later, my cousin came to me and she said, don't worry, because it happened to me too. And I remember when that situation happened to me, I told my aunt, she didn't believe me. So I'm sharing this because I want to ask you this question. When you process everything how did your family take what happened to you when you shared it with them and how long did it take you to let your parents know hey when I went here this happened Hmm. I was in my 30s (laughs) it happened at 13 um and I think the thing that really got me the most was, is like, he wasn't like some person that would just like randomly around. Like I, I truly, I truly loved him. Like we looked up to him, like, again, like he went through the grooming process. He spent a lot of time with us. He took us places. Like he put in that time as if we were his daughters for at least a year before he even like went there. So when he did go there and he went there multiple times, I remember I stopped going to Philadelphia. And then my cousin called me and told me what he did to her. Like he went all the way with her and she, me and her dealt with that, like together when we seen each other. But I, I guess I felt guilty because I didn't tell my cousin. And this is the reason why, before I get to when I told my family, this is the real reason why I didn't tell my cousin. I will never forget this. My aunt Audrey came to me and asked, did he touch me? Right. And I got so upset when she asked me and she looked at me. She said, don't worry about it. She said, it's okay." And she walked away. She never said anything after that. But when her daughter came to me, she was so aggressive. And it like it scared me even more to the point I felt like I couldn't even open up to her. So we didn't say anything. We just denied it. 
then years go by i'm still dealing with it like it affected me in a major way like it got to the point where i was like legit questioning my sexuality i didn't know if i would like the girls or boys i never entertained girls but i i struggled with it because i felt okay well maybe guys are just not for me that's all they want from me like it was just i don't know i guess it was just a, a mental thing i struggled with came out because my my cousin she seen him with um with our other cousin little girl picking her up from school and she felt so convicted because we knew what he did but we never shared it so she ended up telling her mom and then her mom told my mom's sister and I didn't want my mom to find out through her family I felt like that would have been so messed up so I had to like I was terrified I remember talking to somebody from the church thinking like a 30 year old woman is afraid to tell her parents what truly happened a couple like years ago and I just knew that had I said something when I was younger my father would be in prison because I knew how he would have reacted my my mother's family already kind of like hated her in a sense because it was jealous of the things that she had and it would have been like blaming everything on her I just didn't want all that it's like remind you at 13 I literally thought all of this we sat down we thought about like okay let's think about the pros and the cons for one he's going to deny it for two we do say anything it's like we was being grown like we went through all this because for some reason like it's honestly a, a generational curse within our family because it's happened in generations before and they just push it up under the rug and the one person that did come out and say something she got beat on and accused of lying so we just didn't even go that route um, but when I did come out and say something, I remember just praying and asking God, like, Lord, I just need you to give me the opportunity to just come out and let it flow naturally. I was nervous, but I remember sitting in the kitchen and we was talking about him in particular. Um, it was something that was going on in the family. We started talking about it. And I just got real angry and just saying like how he was a pedophile and how he was this. And, you know, and my mom looking at me like, okay, well, where all this coming from? And she's like, well, did he touch you? And I said, yes. And she just stopped. Like her whole face, she's like, she looked at me like, wow. And the first thing my dad said was, why are you just saying something? And before I could respond, my mom looked at me and said, I know why. It's okay. I understand. She's like, I know why you're just saying something. She said, that's not, that's, that's really heavy for a child to deal with. And it's not easy to come out and say it. But my mom cried. Like she was really upset that that happened and that she was just finding out about it. She wasn't really angry with me. She understood but she was so upset because she felt like she couldn't protect me. And then it was with people who she trusted. So then when it did get back to my cousin, her response was, we was jealous of her because she was married. Remind you, we're 13. Uh, we're not thinking about marriage. Like, we're not jealous of you because you're married, but your your husband took our innocence. And it's like, he walks around the family as if he never did anything. Imagine like when my aunt passed and I had to go up there and see everybody. And I seen him at my brother, at my cousin's house. It was such a awkward moment, but I had to pretend like nothing didn't go on because I feel like it wasn't the time to even bring that up when we're dealing with a loss. It probably was the most awkward hug that I have ever given somebody. Cause he walked to me, Hey, how you doing? I just looked at him like, mm, okay, this is awkward. It felt so weird. Um, but I guess I just get really annoyed because it's like you walk around as if you didn't do anything. You know, you're, you, I mean, I get it. Your wife backing you, she probably feel like well, what I asked and they didn't say anything, but she doesn't understand it was her approach. Like you were so aggressive and so angry when you came at us as if like you barking at us. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get y'all because y'all was doing this. Like we were in trouble when the truth of the matter is I wasn't exposed to any of that until I came up here. My parents did that stuff around me. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I don't know. It was just really 
frustrated. In the beginning, I was really upset because of how they felt. But now it's just like, if I'm being real, I can care less. Like, my truth is out. I'm healing from it. You could believe what you want to believe. I have come to the conclusion that he probably will never apologize for what he did. Um, and that's all right. I just, at one point, I wanted closure. I wanted to be able to look him in his face and tell him that I did forgive him. I don't hate him. But you took my innocence. And I want you to know that. I want you to know the things that I experienced because of it. Because I went through a lot mentally. Now that I look back on it, it's so many things that I went through because of it. And my mom would be calling stuff out. Even as an adult with my own child. Like, I am like, when he was younger, I was terrified to let him out of my sight. To go around anybody else unless it was my mom or dad. Because I'm thinking they're going to hurt him. And I still feel that way. He's 16. I feel the same way. Like, I'm at peace when I know he's with my parents, I'm not at peace when he's not around me or when he's not or he's when he's like with friends or something. I'm not at peace because I don't know who you're around and people prey on boys, too. I still deal with that. And that just come from because of what I endure. My mom trusted somebody and they took advantage of me. You know, so I still kind of deal with that. I deal with the whole I don't want to dress like a girl because I don't want guys to look at me. I don't want to be I don't want to feel attracted. I don't want to look attracted. I don't want to feel like that at all. I just want to look like a little boy. And I went through that from ninth grade to my senior year. I didn't like legit start dressing like a female to my senior year in high school. I didn't like want to be bothered with guys. And then when I finally did become curious and, you know, decided I want to be, you know, entertain guys, I ended up getting pregnant. And I went through another mental thing to where I just like I was just so broken and so torn because I didn't know. What was I supposed to expect from my guy? And it's not that my father didn't show me. He showed me all that. We had talks and all that. But it's like, it still stemmed from that first experience. It was just so much that I experienced that I felt like I didn't have to go through, that I shouldn't have to go through had I not been taken advantage of. Like, it should just happen naturally. That I should have been able to, you know, experience those things naturally, not forced by somebody who was just preying on me. I'm reminded of two characters in scripture. Tamar, the sister of Absalom, and Dinah, um, the daughter of uh, Israel or Jacob. And these two women, one was raped by her half-brother and the other one was raped by Shechem. And I think about that spirit. A lot of times people don't realize that that spirit is still running rapid to this day. We don't know how old Dinah was. We don't know how old Tamar was, but we do know that these two women were taken advantage of. And these these are accounts that we can read scripturally. Statistic says one in four girls and one in six boys will be sexually abused before the age of 18. I need people to listen. One in four girls and one in six boys will be sexually abused before the age of 18. I know this topic may be a little tough for parents to understand, aunts to understand, older cousins, guardians to understand, but it is a necessary topic. We have so many young women. We have so many young men or being taken advantage of. Because either A, um, that person feels like they have power because that's a child. And whatever you tell kids, they believe. 
and they're afraid. They're not going to tell. They're not going to do this or they're not going to do that. So you are a coward and you take advantage of that child. I can share the first time I experienced sexual abuse. And it was um, after my mother died. A woman felt on me. And then after that, I went to live with somebody who had me sleeping in the same room with her and her husband when they got busy every single night. That sexual abuse, a lot of people don't understand that. I'm, I'm saying this because I have another question for you. Your, your cousin, when you told her or she came at you, what went through your mind? Because you shared it, but when you think of it now, what went through your mind when you think about, like, why, number one, did you ask me the question if you already knew what was going on? And number two, why didn't you do anything to stop it? Did that ever go through your mind? Um, it did. I felt like she knew. That's why she was so aggressive when she came at us. Um, I just felt like had had they approached us in a different way, with a different tone, um, then we would have been able to have we would have felt comfortable enough to come out and say what was going on. Um, but that's not what took place. And then I, I, you know, as I got older, I learned that the same aunt who came and asked me, her daughter went through that with her husband. Her husband was not my, the kind that experienced me. Her mom actually experienced the same thing with her stepdad. And when my mother and everybody let her know what was going on, she blamed my cousin and they swept it up under the rug. Um, and it all made sense to why her daughter acted the way she acted when we, you know, when she came at us so aggressively. Like, I felt like she knew. Because, I mean, not only that, okay, so after she asked us that, she packed up all of our stuff because we were staying there for the summer. She packed up all our stuff and told her we had to leave. So he, you know, he bought our stuff. I heard her complaining to my aunt saying, yeah, he'd be spending time with them. He up late at night with them and he spend more time with them than he do with me. Like, that, they got to go, like, cuss us out, tell us to get our stuff and leave. But that's how you dealt with it. Like, you wasn't. If you truly, I feel like if you truly loved us and you truly was concerned about what was going on, your approach would have been different. And it's like sweeping up under the rug and having that mindset, what goes in this house, staying in this house, is really the wrong thing. Like you really can mess a child up when you're, when you don't give them the opportunity to be vulnerable with you and tell them what's going on. It begins to allow them to just shut down. Like, okay, I don't want to talk to nobody. And that's legit what happened. I said I was going to my grave with it. I wasn't going to tell nobody. In my mind, it didn't happen. I continued to suppress it as if it never happened. And the only person I was able to verbally talk about it to was my cousin because she endured it with me. She was like, even when I look at it now, like, I'm thankful that God allowed someone in my life that I can just truly talk about it with. Because imagine if I didn't have her and I'm just dealing with this on the inside. Like that's something that drives somebody crazy, especially a kid. A kid who thinks, who's an overthinker, who thinks a lot. <laughs> I was that kid. I was quiet. I didn't really hang around a lot of people. I was always by myself. I was always in my thoughts. So it was like that could really like drive a child crazy when they don't have anybody to talk to about it. And it's like I'm thankful that I had my cousin to talk to about it because if not, I probably would have went crazy. But for a long time, I suppressed it. In my mind, it never happened. 
It never happened. I'm not telling nobody about it. I'm going to my grave with it. And that was that. So when my cousin said, you know, she wanted to talk about it, bring it out. Uh, honestly, like all these emotions came back up again. And then we actually wanted to sit down as adults face to face and have a conversation with her. And then it was like, oh, the family always doing me wrong. I feel portrayed. I'm like portrayed. Like all these emotions came back up. Then I began, I went through feeling angry, wanted to snap, <laughs> wanted to just tell you about yourself. Like I went through all those emotions and I just had to realize like, you know what? Some people, they know the truth. Um, they try to shy away from the truth. They know who they are married to. They know who they have in their house. They're just not ready to deal with it. So because they're not ready to deal with it, they try to make it seem as if that you're just delusional, like you're just, that you're on some other stuff. And that's just not the case. Um, I stopped trying to plead my case. I stopped trying to, you know, make you believe me. At this point, I really don't care if you believe me or not. I have no reason to lie about it. It's something I've been carrying with me for a while. Again, I was prepared to go to my grave with it. I wasn't going to talk about it. But it's like, the older I got, you know, I remember meeting my best friends. And my best friends, we were just in the car talking and stuff. And they were the first person outside of my cousin that I verbally opened my mouth and said, hey, you know, I was molested. I don't even know how it came about while we was even talking about it. But And they looked at me and was like, we experienced that too. It was so refreshing in a sense because I felt like for a long time, I felt like I was alone. But it was refreshing to know that you're not going through this by yourself. It's other people who went through it that's thriving in life. They're not allowing it to hold them back. They're not allowing it to take control of them. It's not consuming them. And they fight it in such a helpful way with God. Before, I didn't have God in my life. So I just went through life dealing with it. And I used to get really emotional when I used to talk about it. It was to a point where I couldn't talk about it at all. Like, even with my cousin, every time we talked about it, we cried. Because it's like... Like you prayed on us. You prayed on us. You spent time with us. You took out the time with us. And then you turn around and make it seem as if that we're just delusional. Like, no, it didn't happen. They're lying. Like, what are we gaining from lying on you? Like, we have nothing to gain. I don't know. I just, I don't understand why you thought a 13 and 12 year old be attractive when you had a beautiful wife upstairs. Like, I, I don't understand what was going through your mind to where you felt like it was okay to do that. And then talk to us and get in our head and use that manipulation. Well, if you love me, you won't say anything. You know, you're not going to say anything because I can get in trouble. And, you know, we, we better than that, right? We got a bond, right? And we so <laughs> young and dumb, like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, we got a bond. We're not going to send in your secret. It's safe with us. Don't even know we're being played on. And now we adults and we're like, oh, no, they're delusional. They're lying. I, I didn't do that. Why they just kind of saying something now? It was really true. They would have been said something like that. That's the stuff that you do. I don't know. It took me, it, it really took me a while to kind of like deal with it and not get so angry about it. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm not angry about it. I'm not, it doesn't consume me in a way. I think I'm just frustrated at times because I just want him to just apologize. I feel like that's the least you can do. You ain't got to tell the whole world, hey, this is what I did, but you can at least come to me and her privately. If that's what you want to do. I'll even take that and apologize. I just have to deal with the fact that it's probably never happened. Wow. I have a question. Wow. I have Go a question because um, I, I believe you helping somebody out there um, that's, that's dealing with it, uh, Sister Reed, that's probably going through the similar experiences that you went through. So I guess that as you were talking about your experiences um, and, and, you know, looking back in, in hindsight, um, how, what do you believe that someone that's, that's being 
violated in that way should do to bring it, bring awareness to their parents? Like, what what are some of the things that they should do to bring awareness to their parents or or even the authorities? Because there might probably be somebody out there that's stuck. I mean, yeah, you're blessing them by sharing your testimony, but there might probably be a, a college student or or even a young adult. I mean, you've recently been delivered from this, but I mean, give what what are some advices you could share um, that could help somebody that's dealing with it? Like who to go to, who to seek? I would say go to somebody that you can truly talk to and be vulnerable with. Because sometimes it's not our parents. I hate to say it. And if I'm being honest, that was not the case with my parents. I know my parents believe me. I know they would have had my back. Um, I just didn't feel comfortable telling them. I cannot even tell you why. I don't know why I didn't feel comfortable telling them, but I just didn't. I think it was the shamefulness that I dealt with because my loyalty was with him instead of my family. I think that's what the trick that played on my mind the entire time. But I would say, say something, go to somebody that you can truly talk to and be vulnerable with them and tell them what took place and be able to understand that sometimes things may not have be things may not um, go the way you want it, but you got to be okay with that. You have to really be strong enough to understand that sometimes these things don't get resolved. Sometimes they don't pay for what they did. They actually pay for it, but you may not be to see how they're paying for it. But you got to be okay with that. You can't allow it to um, consume you and just take over your mind to where that you just feel like life is over because it's not. You're not by yourself. You're is a lot of people out here who are going through the same thing and they don't have nobody to talk to. So if you're blessed enough to have someone to be vulnerable with, tell them. Tell them what's going on. Tell them, you know, what you went through. And for the parents, be approachable. Pay attention to your kids. Like my mom could, my mom could tell me every shift and everything that happened in my life after that event. She didn't know where the shift came from, but she started noticing different things and she just couldn't understand why. She didn't know how to come and ask me. But when I told her, when I was when I when I finally told her, she began to point out everything. Oh, so that's why you didn't want to dress like a girl. That's why you're overprotective with your son. Like immediately called it out. And and like and she told me said it explains a lot. She began to tell me some of the things I used to do in high school that she could never understand. Like why? Like we'll go shopping for school, like legit break down in tears if my dad made me put on a dress. I did not want to wear it. And they could not understand like, well, dog, where this came from? My dad thought, you know, maybe it came from my older sibling because I have an older sibling that's gay. So they probably thought, okay, well, maybe she's just trying to follow behind her sibling. It wasn't that. It wasn't that at all. Pay attention to your kids and be approachable. Be able have that relationship with them to where they can come tell you any and everything. And when they do tell you, don't I'm not saying you how to deal with it because I know it's a very heavy topic and it could be very emotional, but try your best to make them feel comfortable. Console them. They're being vulnerable with you. You know, let them know everything's going to be okay. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure this person pays, whatever the case may be, but just be available for them emotionally. Understand that they're going to go through some things. Don't get frustrated because they're going through some things. It affects kids. <laughs> it really does. Be emotionally available. Yeah, I, I like how you uh, shared uh, your wisdom with the parents because parents play a pivotal part in this. Like what you said, you know, parents got to pay attention uh, to their children. Um, but you're a podcaster now. You're a podcaster. So, yeah. so to, you know, I'm just we're just going to shift gears. Um, so wh- what made you want to start a podcast? First of all, what your podcast is about and what made you want to begin a podcast? Um, COVID, actually. Um, 
during COVID, I went through uh, a very, I don't know, I'm not going to say it was like a low point in life, but I learned a lot about myself. I learned um, that I dealt with anxiety, that my trust in God wasn't as strong as I thought it was. And honestly, the God kept putting it on my spirit. I, I said, like, my friends, okay, so I'm the one friend that everybody comes to to talk to. Like, I need your advice. I need somebody to talk to. I'm that friend. And I remember having a conversation like with just a lot of young adults, just dealing with a lot of things they were going through, especially with COVID, being stuck in the house. A lot of people find out different things about themselves. They feel like they had nobody to talk to. And I remember telling my friend, like, I got a lot to say. Like, I need a podcast or something. But God just kept putting on my spirit. This happened like three years ago. I just never like tapped into it. I remember asking people like, you know, well, how do you start a podcast? Because, you know, I want to help young adults. Like, I'm just thinking about all the different things that me and my friends talked about. Things that we seen that was happening within the church. Things that was happening within our lives that we felt like people just was not listening to. Because if you look around the churches, the young adults, millennials, that's the group that's missing. My age group is the group that's missing. You don't have a lot of them in church at all. But if you talk to them, you'll find out why. It's reasons why, you know, they have their reservations. And some of their reservations are truly valid. I know people be like, you know, well, that's not a reason to walk away from the Lord. But I can relate to it because I went through it. I can truly relate to it. I can relate to feeling like I'm being judged every time I walk the door because of how I look. I'm not being taught. I'm just being talked about. Like, or um, if it's something about something I'm doing that you don't like, instead of you coming to me, you tell everybody else but me, like the church hurt. And I'm not saying church hurt is a reason for people to walk away, but it is real. Some people deal with things differently. And depending on your relationship with God and where you are spiritually, it can really affect you. For me, I was spiritually strong. So I was able to, I understood that. God delivered me. He has done a lot of things for me. And I just can't walk away from him because one of his children misrepresented him because at times I misrepresent him. So I gave that grace. I understood it. But a person that's not on my level spiritually, they're not going to view it that way. The first thing you say wrong or do wrong, especially their baby of Christ, they're going to feel like, well, I might well go back to the world. They're going to turn around and walk away. So it was like, I dealt with all that. And we used to have these really deep conversations like over the phone. Like we used to do like Zoom calls just to keep ourselves busy because we couldn't go nowhere. You know? um, and God really just kept putting it on my spirit. And then honestly, I didn't really like tattoo it until actually my first time on your podcast. I was like, you know what? I'm really going to do this. And even after I talked to you, though, if I'm being honest, I dragged my feet with it. I dragged my feet with it. But God put certain people in your life. Um and the people he, the person he put in my life was like, nope. The moment I told him about the idea, okay, we're going to do it. And he just started working behind the scenes and like, okay, when you want to put it out. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going I'm to do it in August. You know, then every now and then you'll tap in, hey, sis, how that podcast going? I felt like that was nothing but God. Like, hey, you keep saying it. It's time for you to do it. And then I had a minister at uh, at the old church I went to at Hartman. And he told me, he was like, you know, you got a ministry within yourself and you keep running from it. Stop running from it. Surrender to God and let him use you. He he said it to me for at least three years. And I finally surrendered. Like, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, move myself out the way because, you know, I... I don't like speaking in front of people <laughs> like the podcast is easy for me to do now because I'm not in front of people. Like when I shoot or when I record, I'm legit by myself. I can't do with people's in the room because that anxiety kick in with people is around me. I do not know why when I'm in the classroom, it's like nothing because these are kids. But when I'm around adults, it's like a whole nother ball game. And it's like it just 
the anxiety kicks in. I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. I'm nervous. I don't know what to say. I go to fumbling. But when I'm by myself, I become to get really, really comfortable and I'm able to just talk. So I would say that's how it came about. Like, you know, he just kept putting in my heart. And I just think about all the things that we as young adults talk about. Like the world needs to hear it because I know we're not the only ones experiencing it. It's people in the world who want to know God, who want to get to know him. But think about all the different things that's put out there now. When before I gave my life to Christ, like before I truly surrendered to God like and developed a relationship with him, I didn't want to be a part of the church, if I'm being honest. And I went to church every Sunday. I was in the Church of Christ since I was a little girl, born and raised. That's all I know. The only church I've ever been a part. And I went to church every Sunday, but I lived a worldly lifestyle. And I did not want to be a Christian because I felt like it was a whole bunch of rules. And I can't do this. And I can't do this. And there's a whole bunch of hypocrites in here. They say one thing, but they do this. Like That was my mindset until I learned that religion versus relationship is two different things. I was taught religion and not taught relationship. Once I learned relationship... My mindset changed. And then I understood, like, everybody's not a hypocrite. Sometimes we just misrepresent God. We're human. We're going to make those mistakes. But when we do, it's all about how you come back from it. It's not about sitting in it. Okay, well, I done messed up. I might well just go back to the world. No, you have a God that truly loves you. You have a God that wants to be in your life. And when you mess up, it's okay. Go to him. Ask him to help you. For a long time, I was afraid to do that. When I had to do something wrong, I did not want to pray. I ran away from God because I was taught God going to get you, like you being disobedient. It was always the negative things you hear about him, but you don't really hear the loving things about him. Like, I'm in a relationship with you. I messed up. I need your help to get it right. And he's there to give you that grace and that mercy. But until you learn that, you're going to have the mindset that I had. I don't want no parts of this. And there's a lot of people in my age group or even younger than me go through the same thing, which is why they don't want to be a Christian. So I figure if I can develop a podcast or sit down in front of a camera and talk about stuff that we really deal with in real life and let it be known that everything we deal with is in the Bible, everything we deal with, God has a remedy or a solution for. You don't have to be afraid to serve him. You could be free in Christ. It's, it's no such thing as rules and you're bound to something. No, you're in bondage when you're in the world. You're actually free when you're with Christ. They need to know that. Amen. I- Amen. Yeah, I asked that. That's that's powerful. Um, and, and I'm glad. Um, Amen. her the name of her podcast is is Sade. I don't know if I'm gonna say it right. Sade speaks, right? Sade speaks. Sade, Sade speaks. Sade speaks. So that's the name of uh Sister Reed's podcast. And I'm on Facebook and uh YouTube. All right. Amen. Amen. Adney. Um, I will say this, parents. It is our responsibility to protect our children. It is our responsibility to keep them safe. We're not always going to be there, but it's our responsibility to teach them. There are plenty of platforms out there that you can get resources from. There's Darkness to Light. I actually took a whole course on it, and it teaches you how to see and and recognize um, those things, especially where child sex abuse is concerned. And there's even in the church, and I really wanted to say this, especially in the church, we have a brother who literally created a platform to teach churches how to recognize this situation called child sex abuse, grooming in the body of Christ. Use those resources. Tap into those resources. Do not leave these children vulnerable. 
just because you want to build a ministry or as a parent, just because you need somebody to watch your child, be vigilant, be mindful because hurt people hurt people, period. Um, Jasmine's episode was so powerful. It was so profound. I love the way that she shared. And I just pray that there are more people out there who are courageous enough to open their mouth and help them. All right, world. So there you have it. Sister Jasmine Reed. So stay tuned for Pursuit of Holiness Part 2. Remember that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords. Be blessed. That's it for now. But before we go, please continue to listen, subscribe, and share our podcast. Also, if you want to support our show, please scroll down to the bottom of the show notes and click on the link that says buy me a coffee. We would greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening. And remember, God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. And also, Jesus Christ loves you. Thank you. Wait, there's more. What if today was your last day on earth? Would you be ready to meet your maker? Well, Jesus Christ has given us the good news. He told his disciples in Mark 16, 15, 16, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Jesus Christ has instructed his children to share and preach the gospel, which is the good news, which means that Jesus Christ came and that he was sacrificed. He was buried and he rose on the third day by believing and by repenting and confessing and being baptized. You will be saved. So it is your choice. Jesus Christ will not force you. You've heard the message. You heard personal testimonies. But this is your opportunity to give your life to Christ. Don't wait until tomorrow, because tomorrow is not promised. So I hope you submit to the will of God and give your soul to Christ. Be blessed.